0: Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com.
1: Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin for a mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious.
0: Back is toast. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me is always is Nick. Hail to the Redskins Wagner. Nick, what is up, friend? Oh not much,
1: Josh. I was just trying to adjust to off season mode. You know, it's always tough the first couple weeks of football, right?
0: You know, I, I hear I hear people's blues on that, but man, I love the off season. Now that we've been intently doing this thing for the off season the last Last three or four years now, I love. Obviously, I've always loved the NFL draft, uh, free agency. Uh, we're like we're doing today—the free agency draft. That's uh, that's just oh, always so fun to be. I, I, did, I mean, I do understand it's a little bit of downtime, but one thing I certainly appreciate about the off season is I can make judgment or you know a call on somebody, and they're not going to get hurt in the next game. So I, <laughs> at least we have that going for us. Uh, uh, but, uh, like I said earlier it 's going to be a free agency draft. We did this last year for the first time. It thought it worked out really well, so we 're going to go ahead and give it another shot uh we 're basically me and Nick are just going to draft eight players each, like we 're basically doing a dynasty supplemental draft um, and then we 're going to go uh, go and grab four rookies too, just because I already got the fever but uh, make sure you stay tuned for d f w we got all 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 uh, parts of our running back series out now. So that's going to help you guys get along through a uh, free agency most definitely. So check that out. Um, We're also going to do um, uh four or against with Carlos Hyde dynasty dilemmas. We look at both Oklahoma quarterbacks, uh, Samaj P. Ron and Joe Mixon uh, do a whole lot of dynasty trade analysis and then best Number fifty-one, as we talk about another Chicago Bears linebacker for the second straight week. So uh, a lot in store for you today, and I just wanted to bring it, bring it out of the out, of the, out in the open right away. Nick, get the uh, the OJ Howard portion of the show out of the way. We talked about him a little bit more extensively last week, and how just any there's no reason any NFL team would not want this guy. But I do one thing. I wrote the. I wrote the uh, prospect profile on him for our site, and one thing I didn't add, and was something I, I got me thinking after I wrote it. Maybe I should go back there and update it. But I do feel like Howard is maybe more safe than sexy. And I realize I say that word "sexy" a whole lot on this podcast. Um, no offense to anybody. I am not attracted to him, or not not attracted to him. <laughs> when I say the word "sexy," I mean like, like just you know, flashy. Like you know, Reggie Bush was a sexy running back. Fantasy-wise, throughout his career, so I hope I hope you know what I'm saying when I say sexy. But what do you think, Howard? More safe than sexy? Like he's maybe I think could have a good floor. I know in the profile I compared him to Gates and and Gronk, but I think like he could always have a solid floor. But I don't know if he's going to ever be just be that superstar tight end. What are your thoughts there, Nick?
1: Well, I agree with you, and I think I agree with you. Just in general, tight ends don't tend to be the sexiest of picks, especially uh, when you're taking a guy in the first round. But, you know, if he's the complete package as far as tight ends are concerned, I wouldn't have a problem as a GM uh, taking the safe pick instead of making the splashy play for maybe a big-time receiver. Yeah,
0: and I like, you know, maybe if you're sitting there 1.10, 1.11, you know, and you were so close, so close, and you had – tight end was your weak position, yeah, you go ahead and grab OJ Howard there, and he's going to probably not be a liability for you, you know, hopefully beyond his rookie year, and maybe his rookie year he can he can have a decent uh, touchdown floor being a red zone target there. So I, I just wanted to get that out of the way. It's something that's been uh, bothering me. Um, like I said, today we're doing a free agency dynasty draft, kind of like supplementing just a, a dynasty team, you know, obviously we don't maybe nick has a specific team in mind i'm just kind of thinking of just maybe just building a team here um you know and obviously thinking you probably have pieces that are at all positions but it's nice to to add to them uh so we're going to get into that next week we are going to start our uh our series when we t- take a look at all the all the divisions for the next 8 weeks um we're going to start with the AFC East, so uh, make sure you check that out. talk about, obviously, the Super Bowl-winning Packers there. And I uh, don't know if I have a guest lined up for that. I didn't know what, what division was coming up next week, so I'm a little behind. We'll talk about, obviously, the Jets, Bills, and Dolphins as well. So just kind of look at their the dynasty outlook on those teams. Probably do some uh, plant your flag or wash your hands with a handful of the players as well, and maybe uh, inter-division Dynasty Dilemma. Um, i got a couple other good Dynasty Dilemmas in my head, so we'll see if I push one of those forward. But uh, Let's get to this free agency draft. Now, Nick went first last year, so I'm going to go first this year. Um, and then I'll let Nick go first with the rookies. And I'm stalling because I need something to write with, me, and I don't have anything. Uh, but anyway, so uh, like I said, we're just going to go up and down. It's IDP. We're each going to pick eight. We're just going to go back and forth. Pick eight players back to back. I will try to top my uh, first two picks of Doug Martin and Ruben Randall from last year. So that's my that's my main focus and goal today. Hopefully, I can overcome those. Uh, but uh, I think I can because uh, it's it's still official, right, Nick? I can still take Le'Veon Bell here with the first overall pick. Is that right? So uh, I obviously, that's where you, you, you got to go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: That's <laughs> where you got to go. So I will. <laughs> there it is, Le'Veon Bell.
1: That, that is the biggest no-brainer, I think, of this uh, this fantasy draft. So, uh, with number two pick, uh, I might be reaching a little bit, but I think I'm going to go with Terrell Pryor. Uh, you know, 77 catches, over 1,000 yards in his first year wide receiver, uh, you know, with obviously playing in Cleveland less than elite quarterback uh, plays there. Uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey might be just as talented, if not more talented, but he also comes with the injury risk. So, I think I'm going to go with Pryor at number two.
0: Wow. Uh, that is a little bit of surprise. I am shocked kind of, that you didn't go um, with Alshon. So I am going to take Alshon. And i pretty positive you're not going to take who I was going to take. So I have no problem taking Alshon here. Uh, pretty shocked to get him the third overall pick. Um, but, uh, I mean, like, like Lev Bell, I don't know if I really need to say much. Obviously, Elshans had a little bit of a an injury history throughout his career, so that certainly is, is a concern. But like I, like I said, this guy jumps out of the jail. I've talked about it many times. I'll never forget a Monday night game. The Bears played the Jets, it was like a third-and-five situation. and Cutler just throws the ball up, and the Jets were rolling two rookie corners, so this is pre-Revis. And... Cutler just throws the ball up and looks like the the Jets corner has a beat on the ball and could potentially jump to get it. And then all of a sudden he can't jump because Alshon is like knees over his shoulders, over top of him making the play. And I'll just never forget that corner turning around and looking to the sideline and raising his hands like how the hell am I supposed to defend that? <laughs> uh, so there's just that capability there and obviously the wherever Alshon Goes, he's going to get wide receiver money. He's going to get wide receiver one target. So I, I got to go El Elshon there. Sorry to tell that story many times, but it's amazing play. All right, so with the fourth overall pick, I'm going to go with
1: really the only quarterback on the list that anybody cares about, and that's Kirk Cousins. Uh, Over 4,000 yards both years as a starter. uh, Over 4,900 yards last year. It's going to be hard to expect that 5,000-yard range again, especially if the Skins lose uh, Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson to free agency. But I can see Cousins probably being a 4,000-yard type of guy as long as he's a starter. So I I have no problem taking him over. uh, Yeah, I think he's the safest pick at this point.
0: Okay. I wish he was official. I wish um, the guy we talked about four against last week, Isaiah Crowell, was officially a free agent because I would probably take him here right now. But he is a restricted free agent, meaning a team will have to trade a pick to get him. So I know he's a little bit older, and this is this is a dilemma that we're going to get to at some point in this off I'll maybe won't wait until we get to the division, uh, but we're going to do uh, Latavius Murray versus Eddie Lacy. Those are the next couple running backs down on this list. And um, I probably shouldn't have said that, but uh, I got no problem taking Latavius Murray. I think I know who you're going to pick next, Nick. I'll say if, and then I will uh, maybe take the guy that I want. So I don't think I think I think I I'll, I'll be fine taking Latavius Murray. I think he showed me a lot last year. He didn't get a thousand yards, but he did miss two games. Um, same type of thing where where. If he goes somewhere in free agency, he's going to get 250 touches because they're going to have to make it worth it. Uh, if he stays in Oakland, that might actually hurt his value a little bit because of the emergence of the other young backs. But I'm I got I got no problem taking taking Latimer here with the three over with my third pick. What do you got in there, Nick?
1: Well, yeah. If you hadn't taken the Latavius we'll take Murray, I would have taken him. So
0: no problem with that pick whatsoever. Uh,
1: I think I'm going to go to uh, wide receiver and take Kenny Stills. He's only going to be 25 years old in <laughs> April. Uh, you know, you may need to be a little bit patient with him. He, he did up his yardage total by about 300 yards in year two, both in New Orleans and in Miami. Uh, he had career highs of 931 yards in 2014 with New Orleans, and then nine touchdowns last year in Miami. Uh and his boomer bust nature does mean he's more valuable in best ball leagues than in standard leagues. You know.
0: Uh, but that's pretty typical with deep, deep uh, with uh, deep ball threats. Yeah, I like that pick, and that was my prediction for what you were going to do. Um, I think if he went to Philadelphia, they have a wide receiver one established in Jordan Matthews, and there's obviously a lot of a lot of critics out there for J. Matt, but we know what he is, and we know what he could do. We know how he gets open. Just have Stills go 20 yards down the field every single play. That, that connection is bound to see, you know, three or four targets every game and probably worked a couple times. But wouldn't that excite you, Nick, as a as a Kenny Steels owner, if you went to Philadelphia? Oh, without a doubt. There's a – uh,
1: the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver core was uh, much discussed during the season due to all the drops and problems that they had. So, yeah, anybody – any wide receiver that I had that got signed by the Eagles, I would be excited about the opportunity they
0: had. It would be a quiet move, and, of course, the people of Philly wouldn't wouldn't like it. You know, they want to, they want to draft the top two wide receivers every year or whatever. But uh, it would be a little bit of a quiet move. But bringing in a veteran guy like that, I think, would certainly help, would help the young quarterback situation as well. You know, sticking in the home state, uh, obviously – the Pittsburgh Steelers have some good things going on, and they'll probably retain Le'Veon Bell, but um, an AB84 is is still the man there for now. But still in that lineup, you know, there was a lot of lot of uh, kind of a revolving north at other receiver position. Wheaton, Eli Rogers, Sammy Coates just had back surgery, or, or some type of surgery. Sorry, maybe not back, but uh, that w- that would be another thing that I mean, we've seen that speed type of Mike Wallace wide receiver work in that system before, so work with, with what Ben likes to do. So maybe that would be another good landing spot for him. Um, hmm, I don't, man, I really don't like Eddie Lacey, but uh, I, <laughs> uh, Yeah, you know, I just, I just don't see anything from Eddie Lacey. And so I'm going to go with the guy that I think we haven't really seen him reach his full potential, but I'm very, very much so encouraged about the way that he has progressed throughout his NFL career. And that's uh Robert Woods, another guy that's just 24 years old. Currently. I'm not sure when he turns 25, uh, but 24 years old, three years of NFL experience. Um, that was in Buffalo. So he he's kind of, it was kind of a, a, not a great situation for a wide receiver like him. If he was to go somewhere, in a more pass-centric offense, that he'd be a great sign for like a team like like Arizona. Maybe that's wishful thinking, or even uh, even Dallas, since uh, Terrell uh, or excuse me, Terrence Williams is a free agent, he, and Bryce Butler he could be the the third wide receiver, maybe work his way into the and in that to that second role, or you know fill in when Dez always hurt like he always seems to do. So I, I like that play. What do you think about Robert Woods there, Nick? Um, not the pick that I would have made, but I don't have a huge
1: problem with it. Uh, Robert Woods is a guy that I've also liked uh, ever since he came out of USC. Um, obviously, stuck in that Buffalo offense has kind of limited his opportunities. But yeah, if he were to sign with a uh, with a team that had a need at receiver, that could uh, mean big things for his production. Um, I'm also going to go with a receiver. I'm going to a guy that's a little older here in Pierre Garcon. Uh, other guys like Deshaun Jackson, Kenny Britt, and maybe even Robert Woods probably are going to end up with higher yardage totals by the end of the year. But in PPR leagues anyway, it seems like Garcon is a sneaky valuable play. Just such a nice possession receiver. Seems to get, a, you know, pretty much has a floor of say four catches, 50 yards seemingly every week. I uh, haven't missed a game since 2012. Uh, you know, I know he's probably only going to be a solid contributor for another couple of years, but for those couple of years anyway, I think he's a, he's a pretty good play.
0: Uh, interesting choice. I mean wait a minute this is a PPR draft. Uh, of course it is but that's all we talked about here. So just in case we forgot to make that clear right away this is definitely a PPR draft. I'm a little surprised and I know I know we we've kind of fallen out in love mutually with uh with Michael Floyd but I I thought he would be the next choice just cuz he's 27. I don't know if he remains in New England if they if they work out a deal for something like that. I don't think he does. I don't know if New England, but New England does have some money. I know they do have some money to throw around. So I'm gonna go with Floyd here, uh, just because 27 changes senior might do him some good. I I already saw some you know just a little bit more jump in his step when he went to uh, to New England. Um, he's the guy that's after you know, some off field stuff, probably won't get wide receiver one money, but that means he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder and maybe he signs like a one year prove it deal with the team and, and really plays his heart out this year and then I could trade high on him. So I'll give me uh give me Michael Floyd there. And was that
1: the last pick or do we have one more?
0: Um, we were going to go eight rounds. I'm only at five picks.
1: Did you think we were only going to do
0: four apiece? Yeah, that's all
1: good, but I can keep going. No problem. Uh, my next pick I will go with the uh, Kenny Britt Uh, career highs of 68 catches, a thousand and two yards in 2016. That was his first year with the Rams. Hopefully the Rams re-sign him. He stays in LA and they can uh, build on that
0: fine year that he had. Okay. You know, he's another guy. I think too. That's two Kennies for you, by the way. Uh, another guy too, with all the a lot of talent, and never really been in a system that utilizes that. I think to the to their advantage. So I'm gonna. I, I like that pick though. I'm gonna go to the defensive side of the ball here, and take a look at. Um, uh, Dante Hightower. He's 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 a guy. We you know I've been vocal about. You know. Just some things I don't like about his game, you know, recently when he, when he did that dilemma, but I think he's a guy that's he's gonna get money, he's gonna get paid, but I think he can make make good on that and uh really uh really pan out, probably because he's gonna stay in uh in New England there. Nick, what what do you got next? Well,
1: I know it's risky, uh, but I think I'm going to go with Eddie Lacy. He's only 26 years old. But, you know, he may end up doing absolutely nothing the rest of his career, or he might bounce back and be a pretty solid running back for a couple of years. It's either one is a definite possibility. So, I think the upside is just too too big to to ignore here.
0: So we're we're getting to that point with just two more picks here. You know, you could. You know, spend spend money in free agency. I don't know if your leagues have supplemental drafts like this, but you could spend you know draft late draft picks on on somebody, especially in the full IDP. You know, on a wide receiver that you know, like a Kiaris Garrett last year, a guy that you think, or a Daniel Braverman, guys that you think have potential. Or you could spend some money in in free agency and just go out and get a guy like uh, Kendall Wright. I think just 27 years old. Is a smaller guy, uh, but if he could go somewhere, and maybe just you know, even if he sees a a, a back or a, a little bit of a downgrade in snaps, just to be a slot a guy, I think he could he could really benefit from a from a different change. I just don't think he's the type of wide receiver that the t- Tennessee Titans want right now in that system. So I I think he could go somewhere and be be a productive player for the next two or three years. So I'll go with Kendall right there. What do you got What do you got next there, Nick? Uh, Next I'm going
1: to go with uh, Martellus Bennett, tight end. Uh, You know, this might be a little bit of a reach, but you look at some of the other tight ends that are available in free agency. Jack Doyle may have been a product of the system there in Indianapolis. Jared Cook, Ryan Griffin, Vernon Davis. Uh, Martellus Bennett, definitely the safest bet to continue uh, being a productive player there at that position. So that's
0: where I'm going to go. And there is certainly some, some talk that Bennett, you know, he thinks he's going to get a lot of money because he won the Super Bowl. New England doesn't suspect that is the case. Um, I am not going to take a tight end, so, but I do want to put in a plug for Dion Sims. I think I think he could potentially have a nice future. Um, I'm not going to take a look at the edge guys, though. Nick uh, Nick Perry and Chase Jones are certainly appealing to me. Uh, Minter is the other real. Middle linebacker that I like, Uh, Zach Brown is another guy that's going to be out there and available. We'll see what Buffalo decides to do there. He's a guy that really made made his money last year, so maybe he's going to chase something in free agency. Nick Nick is another guy that really came on after Navarro Bowman went down in San Francisco. I really like him, Uh, but there's too much uh, secondary love, too much secondary players out there that I like. Um, I'm not going to go Jelani McCoy. T J McDonald, Bradley McDougall, Tony Jefferson. I love all of those all of those safeties. Uh, but I think the safest guy is kind of a polarizing guy in the IDP community. And that's Jonathan Cyprian. Uh he he's a strong safety. Jacksonville rolled him down in the box this year, and if he was to go anywhere and remain that role or, you know, be a, that land, fill that Landon Collins role, he's just gonna continue to put up Put up great numbers. We know what he is at this point in his NFL career. He's an, an in the box safety that you could you could play at linebacker if you need to, and a, a guy that always just has a very really really nice P, uh, excuse me IDP floor. Um, I got really confused listening to a PFF podcast the other day. They kept saying PPR, and, and they're talking about draft picks. Nick, they're talking about prospects, and their PPR, not their non dynasty show means your pass rusher. Uh, that's just like, uh, don't do that to me. That just screwed me up. But anyway, uh, last pick to you. Sorry, I took Cyprian
1: yeah yeah I was probably gonna go that direction uh since you took him. I think I'm also gonna stick on the defensive side of the ball now
0: I, I don't like taking
1: linebackers uh this early in the process just because I feel like landing spot is such an important factor in the linebacker production so I'm gonna go with the defense then jason Pierre paul uh again might be a little early, but it seemed like he was figuring out how to play with the with his hand the way it is now uh towards the end of last year had seven sacks last season um the fifty three solo or fifty three tackles. Uh, he's probably not going to be you know, Top three defensive end like he was Before the hand injury but I think He can still be a pretty solid player so uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jason Pierre Paul uh, Tony Jefferson was another guy I gave a lot of Thought to uh, safety from Arizona But again landing spot is so Important with uh, with guys like that I, I just hesitate to, to go in that Direction
0: Yeah I like Tony Jeff too But you know Arizona has such a crazy Rotation you wonder how How he was going to adapt to a place like that to a to a change like that um man he would be fun to see as like the, the fifth defensive back in Seattle cuz he could produce idp numbers even as a fifth defensive back and he could he could you know in a pinch he can slide down and play that hybrid linebacker role too so you know have him on the field and nickel with uh Cipri or not Cipri with uh Wagner and KJ Wright and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor—that that's pretty solid up the middle there for Seattle. Uh yeah, I like Tony Jeff. I also I also like the I like you going out on the limb with JPP there. That's uh uh or Jason Pierre-Paul as I like to call him. I didn't coin that phrase, but it it's, it still makes me laugh. Um, he's one of those guys, especially in, in IDP leagues, and obviously we play in some pretty savvy leagues. But he's another—he's just a guy that has that name. You know, that name cachet is Bill Latin likes to say all the time. Just a guy that has, just has that, you know. So there's always, he's a guy that people, you know, will be intrigued by. And he's also a guy, maybe you're not feeling the greatest about him after the first couple of games. He comes out and has a two or three set game. That's when you could pull the trigger on a trade. You know, you could trade high on a guy like that when it, when push comes to shove in those type of situations. So I like, I like that pick there, Nick. Uh so we, the next portion of this is going to be a four-round rookie draft. We're each going to take four rookies. Um, and so Nick gets to go first. So what do you got?
1: Well, I have no choice to go with Dalvin Cook, the running back out of Florida State. You know, if you got the number one pick, you've got to hit. You can't, your number one overall pick can't be a bust. And I believe that Cook is both safe and has the greatest upside of the running back. So that's where I'm going.
0: Uh, well, I, I, I know. I think he's got some limitations, but I, I, I have to go Fournette. I think that's the way it's going to go in a lot of rookie drafts. You know, maybe these two are flip flop. Maybe it's this direction here. But I, I think, I, I think I just have to go Fournette. I just think he's got, he's got a lot of size, and I know he had some injury troubles, but uh, he's, he's just a horse when he's on, and I think whoever drafts him is going to find, you know, tailor their off their offense and their blocking schemes around what he does well and uh the you know maybe he only has a three-year career where he's just really really solid but but i'll take that and, and, and trade him maybe after year two so you're up next there um,
1: I'm going to go with uh, the wide receiver, Mike Williams, uh, about the same size as Corey Davis, 6'3", 205. These two receivers are so similar, it's basically a toss-up. So I just went with the guy who played with the biggest level of competition. Uh, I should admit, too, that I'm pretty early in the pre-draft process, so my, my draft board is probably going to be pretty fluid for the next couple months. But right now I have Mike Williams as the number three guy on my board. Uh,
0: well, both he and Corey Davis should be just PPR machines, right? Oh yeah. I, I got, I got to take Corey Davis there. I don't think we're going to surprise anybody here with these first four picks. Those are the players, no matter what, what uh, direction you want to go in, but those are more than likely. And really sh- at this point, you know, unless something dramatic happens should be the top four players in your dynasty draft. I know it's maybe a little early to say that, and I'm not telling you that's what you should do, but, uh, the, it's, it's, it's probably the best choice, whatever order you want to put them in there. Um, uh, I gotta take Corey Davis. I just I watched film and game tape after game tape on Corey Davis, just trying to find some kind of weakness. It it really the only thing is level of competition. But when he's on the field, no matter who he's playing against, it's just you can tell he's just he's it. He is he's got that quality. He he loves the game. He's got a. He kind of had a, a rough childhood and is extremely grateful to play football at the college level. And he, he's just a, a guy that knows how to earn it. And probably, you know, the best thing for people, for him, is to people to constantly question the level of play that he played against. Because that's just going to make him more mad. And that's just going to make him go out there and do amazing things. He's got a bit of a, an ankle injury right now, and he's doing the smart thing and not going to the combine and resting it. You can't – I mean, I, that, that maybe hurts his status, but whoever takes this guy is going to be extremely happy because I I just think the think the world of this kid, and I think he's just going to be such a, a phenomenal player. And it might not happen right away for him, uh, but I I, I I want Corey Davis wherever I can get him. So, Corey Davis, happy to get him at the fourth – what do you got next
1: question w- would you have taken him above mike williams if you had had the third pick?
0: probably all right probably uh with i got i was gonna say in our um 16 team draft our 16 team league i have the third and fourth pick and i and i really hope that it's not Fournette cook the first two picks, so i can get a running back because i desperately need a running back in that league uh but uh and so, I mean, obviously, I will probably go um Williams and Davis, which I mean that's not a bad thing, you know, maybe draft running backs next year, but uh or you know unless Joe Mixon really does something that deters me away from that, but I think that's probably the smart choice there, so that's probably where I'm aiming right now and and hopefully those guys, the first two picks aren't listening, but uh maybe Cra goes Corey Davis first overall pick, huh, maybe I don't know, we'll see. Go
1: ahead. All right. uh, Next up, I'm going to go with another receiver in John Ross. Uh, It's probably a little bit early as far as talent-wise, but you know what? If you're drafting here, you're probably still at least a year away, so you want to rebuild with wide receivers. Uh, Ross is only 5'11", 190 pounds. Not the most physical of wide receivers, but if he gets in a good situation with a quarterback that can, you know, like throw him open,
0: uh, I think he could be a nice steal. Yeah, he's got a – an, a, an injury going on now too that is a little bit concerning but yeah he's he's definitely in that point zero five to point zero seven range so I like that uh, I like that pick um, I go back and forth on these Oklahoma running backs and I just it's it hurts my brain but I I with the off-field things, there's some more stuff coming out with Mixon, and I, I, I know Mixon. If if he plays in all as well, he's gonna be. It's gonna be a talented player. I got some other things to say about him and our dilemma coming up here, but I'm gonna go with Samaj J. Piran. I, I just think this kid is gonna be a better NFL player than than he probably was in college, and he's the all-time leading rusher in Oklahoma history, above guys like Sims, uh, Adrian Peterson. uh, DeMarco Murray, I, I just, he's built to run in the trenches in the NFL, and it's really, really hard to say that about a college running back. This guy's upper body strength is just believable. I, 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 hoping I don't really feel like I have a landing spot where I'm going to get a guy like Piron in any of my my mock my rookie drafts, and that that really pains me because I, I want I want Piron, so I'm not going to continue to hype them so he drops for me <laughs> to round two, but I don't really think that's going to happen. And he's the guy with the right landing spot. It's just going to zoom up uh, Dynasty mock draft board. So i give me some AjP around there.
1: All right, I'm going to stick with the running backs and go with uh, Chris McCaffrey out of Stanford, one, uh, 200 pounds, over 2,000 combined yards in 2015, 1,900 in 2016. Uh, if he put up those numbers in the SEC, he would definitely be going a lot higher in these drafts. Uh, the kid's got great upside. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with McCaffrey.
0: I saw a recent mock, of him go going to uh, Green Bay. I don't like that. Um, they really need a power runner, and nothing against McCaffrey. I think I said a long time ago. Sorry, when I wrote about McCaffrey, W-wise, I feel like he could potentially be the best running back or the best wide receiver in this class. I do still really think that if somebody chose chose to move him to a uh, to a to a running excuse me, somebody chose to put him in the slot and have him be their slot wide receiver. I think he would be a phenomenal NFL talent for many, many years. I do worry about a little bit about him as a, as a runner, uh, especially between the tackles. I think that's kind of a universal worry about him. But he's a guy that you can scheme to make successful. And, uh, you know, I've seen knocks of him going to uh, New England, where that would be vexing for fantasy owners. He's going to find the end zone if, they, if he's in New England they will do things to make him successful. And uh, uh, Brady would love to have a, a weapon like that. And another, you know, another Dion Lewis, James White type, definitely. But I think there's just a, a little bit more to his game than both of those guys. And he seems a, a lot like a perfect end-of-the-first-round type of player that a, guy, a team like uh, they could – excuse me – a team like Arizona, excuse me, New England could look at Arizona would be a lot of fun too, but of course you'd probably have to play the slot there. Uh, but uh, so you're going to let me draft Piran and Mixon, huh? Oh, I feel like because it's essentially 1.08, I, I would I probably got to take the chance on Mixon, and I don't want to downgrade Cooper Cup. For his his small school pedigree as well, but he's he's the other guy I had in mind because I thought you would probably go mix in there. So Cub, go out there. We we are done. Uh, but uh, so I'll take I'll take Mixon just because I think the value is pretty nice there, and I don't think that is going to be the case. I mean, it's his. We'll talk about it more when we get to dilemma. But he he's certainly there's certainly uh, inherited risk there with Mixon, but I I feel pretty comfortable taking him right there. So. Uh, any other thoughts? Maybe, Nick, anybody else on your on your short list there that you potentially would have taken next? Uh, well, my next pick was going to be
1: Miles Garrett. I'm curious to see uh, where you had him on your draft board. Would he have been uh, right on the short list for you?
0: That's interesting you say that, because that's going to be our dilemma next week, is we're going to do Miles Garrett versus Derek Barnett. And I hope you choose Garrett. No, I shouldn't say that out loud. But um <laughs> I just wrote the profile on Miles Garrett and I I, I just got kind of a lukewarm feeling right now. I'm not overly impressed. I'll let you guys read that profile slated for Sunday. Um I I wrote in there I wouldn't feel comfortable taking him till three point zero one. So I it just we know pass rushers take time and I uh, you you're gonna have to read the profile. There there was a I found a lot more to Concerns than I thought I would watching tape on him. So, and I and I'm not doing that for shock value or, or anything. I just think that's I, I think there's some things to be to be worried about. I I realize he's so young and he has the body and the flexibility to be something really really special at the next level, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time, and that's why I would feel more comfortable in the in the, the round three range. I would probably say the first IDP guy off the board should be. Either Jamal Adams or Ruben Foster. Foster is another guy that's uh, got a bit of an injury problem. I think he's going to miss the combine too. But uh, you know, if he's if he's healthy, moving into moving into the summer, he's going to be a be a stud. I'm sure he's going to be a top 15 pick there. So, uh, moving forward, it's time for four or against. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good draft. I felt like the quality of players were better this year, especially in the, uh, the NFL portion of that. Um, no Ruben Randall, at least. I mean, I suppose we could have picked him. I don't know where he's at. But uh, uh, Let's get to uh, Carlos Hyde in the 4 Oregon. It's
1: time for 4 Oregon.
0: Uh, I do want to preface, when when you go to read that Miles Garrett article, make sure you've already eaten, because I maybe have the uh, best food metaphor I've ever written, food sports metaphor I've ever written, to start that profile. But anyway, you know what I mean when you read it. Nick, you had the foresight, so you can go first there. Carlos Hyde. Well, first off, uh,
1: the new head coach, Kyle Shanahan, could be a definite blessing for Carlos Hyde. It seems everywhere Shanahan goes, running backs produce. Uh, Freeman and Coleman in Atlanta, Alfred Morris in D.C. Heck, Steve Slayton had a 1,200-yard season in Houston (laughs) under Kyle Shanahan in 2008. You can't tell me Carlos Hyde's not better than Steve Slayton, right?
0: Mm. I I loved Steve Slayton, drafted him as a rookie, and enjoyed that year. I rode Steve Slayton. Chris, Chris Johnson was also rookie that year. I took them like in the 10th and 12th round. Rolled those two to a, to, a, to a championship that year. That was a fun year. But anyway, he is not the Tevin Tolman type, that uh, the truly kind of pass catcher that excels in the system. So I feel like he's going to be, you know, uh, a part of a committee, definitely. And I, I just don't think, where well, he's probably better than Steve Slayton. Who left the NFL because he couldn't hold on to the football? Uh, he's better than Steve Slayton, but I don't think he's—I don't think he's the runner that Devontae Freeman is. So I feel like there's a definite 50-50 timeshare in store there. Uh, and I don't know who it's going to be, but these this next two running back classes are deep, and that that worries me. So I just—I don't, don't see that—I don't see that he's the pass catcher that excels in the in the Shanahan system. So that that worries me that he's going to be in a definite time split.
1: Well, I'm not sure about the time split. I mean, you look at running backs, and one of the big barometers to measure them is the yards per carry. Are they at four yards per carry or more? And he's been at least four yards per carry every single year, Uh, 4.6 yards per carry last year. And he did that while being the best threat San Francisco had. I would think most defensive coordinators wouldn't be afraid to load the box early in the game uh, when the quarterbacks are Blaine Gabbert and Colin Kaepernick. So that's pretty impressive to me that he got 4.6 yards per carry in that situation.
0: Okay, okay. Um, he, as a career, has a 4.3 yards per carry average. But I think that number is a little bit jaded. You take away his only he, – he only has three 100, career 100-yard games. You take away those three games in which he averaged 7.3 yards per carry, his career average without those three games is 3.8. So there's been a couple games where he's been really, really good. You know, Minnesota opened a a couple of years ago the Jets this year almost two hundred yards. I think that number is a little bit jaded and obviously it's also a little bit jaded and inflated, uh, about that rhyme for because he's he's has a problem staying healthy. I mean if if he gets on the field and touches the ball two hundred and fifty times, obviously that's a guy that you want to start in Dynasty. But I think those you're gonna see a decline in those in those averages there.
1: Yeah, it could be, but he has improved every year in the NFL. Up to two two hundred seventeen carries last year, uh, nine hundred eighty eight yards and six scores. Uh, that, and he also doubled his career high in reception numbers. Uh, only twenty seven catches for one hundred sixty three yards and three touchdowns. But at least he showed something in that part of the game. So that could possibly lead to more snaps uh, on downs that aren't uh, necessarily running downs. <sighs>
0: yeah he only averaged like six yards per catch, but uh not a not a, a guy that's gonna get out there in space and make it happen. But here's the real thing. When I watch Hyde I see a talent. I see a talented player who runs away from contact. Yet he's always dealing with nagging injuries. That that just really confuses me. And and maybe he's, you know, trying to stay healthy when he's on the field, but I I just I just don't see that that just RB1, you know, fire and brimstone, I'm going to run you over type of player. I the the type of, you know, grit and determination I want out of an RB1. I just really don't see that there. Well, you brought up the injuries, and yes, uh,
1: Hyde actually did t- t- tore his uh, MCL in Week 16. But it's not an injury that needs surgery, so I would think that would mean he'd be set for Week One. And plus, the the, the you know you can might be able to get him on the seat right now. Some owners just see the words an MCL and they want to unload that player no matter what. So he he is a guy that you might look to buy lowering.
0: I own Hyde of a her- her- heritage team. Um... The ultimate fantasy league. There's. I I DL Off is down today, so just because they're restructuring. Good timing to Valentine's Day yesterday, but uh, there's three divisions, 14 teams, I think, a piece in that one. So I own Carlos Hyde if you want him. Come talk to me. And he's not on the cheap. Um, <laughs> basically, I think the idea of Hyde is better than the sum of his production. I would rather trade him now. While people are believing he could be the next Devontae Freeman, then 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 suffer through it next year. So, uh, any, any other thoughts there, Nick? Well, um, I'll just say I don't think anybody thinks he's going to be Devontae Freeman at this point. Uh, <laughs> you know,
1: Freeman I think has been in the league uh, at the same time, if not less. But, uh, but you know, I, I I still think he is a nice buy low candidate right now.
0: Yeah, I do. you do have a good point there. You know, his ADP is going to be down considering he is still essentially a starting running back in the NFL. I don't uh, – yeah, I just got some problems. I feel like it's been a long time since I've had the against side in one of those. Have you been against a lot lately, Nick? I'm sorry, what's that? I said I feel like it's been a long time since I've been – on the against side of one of those. I feel like I, all the, all the event is doing the side on those. Oh yeah. I, I guess uh, I don't recall, but okay. Moving forward. Ooh, it's dynasty dilemma time. Uh, we're doing Samaje Piran versus Joe Mixon. Both, both Oklahoma running backs. Um, uh, I'm sure tr- I'm going to try something new. And I'm going to, just, um, just to just to uh, kind of promote our podcast, I'm going to post my side of this dilemma on Saturday. So if you want to read it, read it in full, in edited form, which sometimes I forget to do, but this one will be edited. I promise. Uh, you can check that out on uh, on Saturday, and then of course go back and listen to Nick's side here. So uh, let's uh, do this. But we've
1: learned by the dust of them all, Bartertown's learned. Now, when men get to fighting, it happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. <laughs>
0: uh, it happens here, and it finishes here. Ah, uh, that's a good one. Stavaj <laughs> Piran uh, over Jill Nixon. I, I. I like I said earlier in the show with O.J. Howard, I think Piran is probably safe and Mixon is sexy. Yet, is it fair to call the player that rushed for more college yards than Billy Sims, DeMarco Murray, and Adrian Peterson such a simple term is safe? Piran is, is a little sexy, too. And I think he projects as a better pro running back than Mixon. Both backs have size to be early down guys, and Mixon probably has, but he is not the blocker Piron is. That's going to cost him snaps in the NFL, at least early. Mixon lacks the upper body strength comparatively so. In fact, I would not be surprised if Piron is not the top finisher in the bench press overall at the combine in the next few weeks. Let us not forget that Piron does not have the off-field domestic battery history that the embattled Mixon does. That hasn't battled Mixon, excuse me, and will continue to haunt him. P Ron simply has that it quality. What is it? It is the desire and love and commitment to, to hit to the games he was so humbly honored to be involved with as a college student. There is there's also a maturity thing there with P Ron that nobody will assume Mixon will have until they spend a good deal of time with him. Yet several teams have already taken him off of their boards because of the Ray because of his Ray Rice past. And speaking of Rice, I came across a tweet recently from Matt Hamilton, a morning anchor at News Channel 10 in Amarillo, Texas. He basically said if Ray Rice cannot get back into the NFL, Joe Nixon should never be allowed to play another step. Now, my new friend Matt is not a, the commissioner of the NFL, but he does bring up a very valid point. How is this any different? A video exists of both incidents. And that's the bottom line. I do would not wish to make the limbo about such a heinous situation, but it is a very prevalent and important topic. Again, Piron's desire alone is reason enough to make him a responsible draft day choice. If you question Piron's desire... I suggest you watch the watch him play through pain of a severely injured ankle versus Clemson in the 2015, to close the 2015-2016 season. That same ankle required surgical repair shortly thereafter. Mixon also suffered a concussion in that game, so make sure you tick that con box when you're evaluating Mixon. I myself feel very comfortable taking Piran as early as 5.0, excuse me, 1.05 in a dynasty rookie draft. I realize he is a guy that I could probably get as late as 1.10 or 2.02 range in in the right kind of scoring system. Mixon is a top eight pick regardless because of his off the field appeal, on the field appeal, excuse me. But P-Ron is value and Mixon is risk. Nick, what do you got?
1: Well, I'll start real quick with the Joe Mixon situation. Uh, you know, some teams, like you mentioned, both fantasy and NFL teams, absolutely won't touch him. You want to be proud of your team, and that's tough when players come with the history that Mixon has. So, I'm not going to address that aspect, other than saying I understand if you wouldn't even take him with the last pick in your rookie draft. But on the field, he is electric. Uh, great size, uh, speed ratio: six foot one, two twenty six. Average seven yards per carry last year. Six point seven yards per carry the year before. Uh, one hundred sixty eight uh, carries for uh, 1,183 yards and eight scores along with 32 catches for over 400 yards and five scores in the passing game. You know, without the off field concerns, Mixon would be a first round pick in the NFL. Very few flaws in his game. Uh, Ron the, on the other hand, isn't quite as complete a back, at around 5'11", 237 pounds, although some scouts believe he's closer to 5'9", and even heavier. He's a power back. He's not going to break off those huge runs that he had in college against NFL defenses. Uh, he also doesn't have much experience in the passing game, uh, blocking and pass catching, so at least early in his career, his snaps could be limited until he becomes more well-rounded. You know, if you look at their ceilings, uh, I believe Mixon, if he pans out, has top five potential. Uh, where Thron is probably, you know, tops Alfred Morris type of back. Not that being a solid producer for three years or so is a bad thing, but if you're looking to hit a home run with your pick, I think Joe Mixon has
0: to be the choice. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's 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 a risk. It's an inherited risk you take, but it it's it could be a very very good risk you know if, if he slips to eight like ours here earlier he's going to a team that was in the playoffs last year and that that's that's probably not something the rest of your league wants so if if, if all is well uh that that could be that could be good things uh but uh i, I still just think P. especially if he gets in the right landing spot. If he was to be the the next running back in Oakland, obviously I have a personal investment there. Uh, that would be that would be huge. Um, if he's the guy that replaces LeGarrette Blunt in New England, I think he'd be a, a New England running back we could trust. Imagine that. I know I know Detroit's been eyeing running backs so I have the Jets I just think there's so much power there uh they, they are they are that thunder and lightning combination and uh it's going to be it's I don't I don't think there's enough debate about these two against each other everybody's just assuming Mixon's the better player and you, you really get into it you watch the film and you dig at the numbers it's it's pretty darn close I know P ran only had like 15 receptions this last year but uh because he was too busy gaining yards up the middle, becoming the outside leading rusher in Oklahoma history. That's that's a pretty amazing feat. So, Any other thoughts there, Nick?
1: Uh, no, just that you're right. They are both good players and probably both going to be pretty productive in the NFL.
0: Yeah. what? For some reason, I had this weird thought. What if, obviously, it's not going to be the same case in dynasty formats, but what if... What if the same team took both of these guys? What if it kept that kept that combination going? What if the same NFL team took you know, like Mixon in the second and Piron in the fourth? I do feel like he could he could slip down that far. That 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 could be fun. It that certainly have to be a team like no, Green Bay would be a great choice for that. I mean, they really don't have a running back on the roster that cut James Starks. Ty Montgomery is not the answer. I can't believe they consider keeping him a running back. Uh, but even so, you add two hot shot rookies like this, that team is dangerous. I mean, they're dangerous enough, but that team is dangerous out of the gate if you put in put in these two guys. So that would be a, a fun and interesting scenario there. Um, moving forward, ooh, it's Dynasty Dilemma time, or excuse me, Dynasty Trade Analysis. i uh, got a handful of them today, a lot of them today, I should say, so let's not play the music. DFW48, Eli Manning. 2017 fourth for jay cutler in a 2017 third not the most exciting trade we're ever to talk about nick but what do you think
1: uh i think i have to go with eli manning uh just because he's at least guaranteed a starting job this uh this season jay cutler likely will find a starting job just because the quarterback position is so thin across the league but it's far from a sure bet so uh you know i think you know moving uh Trading down one
0: round uh, in exchange to pick up Eli, I have no problem with that. Okay. Yeah, I got to go Eli there too. Um, I think in not only is he guaranteed a starting job, I he still has he has a an elite wide receiver to, to throw to, and uh, an offense that is essentially built around him. Hopefully, they get some RB help here in the draft as they did cut Rashard Jennings this week. So. That that definitely puts them in the market for a running back. Piron would be a nice a nice great power back for them too. But uh, I don't know if I'm saying that name right. I've heard it called Perrine. but uh, I'm going to say Piron because I've heard people say that when I watch game film with him. So that's why we're going to stick with that one. Um, if I'm wrong, are you related to him? I'm sorry. Tell me how to pronounce it, please. Ten uh, team PPR two QB. Tyrell, Tyrell, Owens, or excuse me, Tyrell Williams, as we continued, the, he's the off-season talk of the dynasty trade world. Tyrell Williams' owner does own Keenan Allen, so he wants to get rid of one. Of, obviously, the other guy, Tyrell Williams for Josh Dox, What do you think? Well, uh, I think it's uh, you know, I hate to say it again because we said it so many
1: times, but it's your safe versus sexy debate. Uh, Williams being the safe pick, Josh Doxson, uh, you know, being a you know top five, unanimously uh, rookie draft pick last year, uh, being the sexy pick. I I think I'm gonna go with Josh Doxson. I just. You know that Achilles' injury, I know, hindered him his whole rookie season. He only got on the field for a very brief amount of time. But if he's able to be the player that the Skin thought he was when they drafted him in the middle of the first round last year, he's going to be a stud. So I'm, I'm, I'll i deal uh Doxon, even though it is
0: risky. Do you have any thoughts about taking Terrell Pryor over Alshon Jeffrey? You still feeling all right with that? You a yeah, good
1: yeah, place? definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, I was just, I'm just adding their names to the tags and I'm just like, oh they're both 27. Maybe that would that be a worthy dilemma? Alshon versus Terrell Pryor. I'll think on that. But anyway, uh, I like that I'm getting dilemma ideas. I felt like I was in a kind of a a dilemma writers block or dilemma block there for a while. I couldn't think of anything. But this is they're all coming back. Especially the free agency. It's so fun. But anyway. I think you're making a great return on Tyrell. To, to, why can't I say that today? Tyrell Williams, Tyrell Williams. If you're getting Josh Jackson, based on draft pedigree alone, if you're that type of player, I I understand making this move. I I don't understand take, taking the risk because we really haven't seen year to year production from from Tyrell Williams. We do we do see we did see him be productive last year, and if you're you know, but you're he might, honestly, you might not be able to do any better with Josh Jackson at this point. I don't think you're going to get a first-round rookie pick for him, at least. Uh, at least not right now when things are flowing with those candidates. I'd probably hold on to that if it was me. Um, uh, ooh, get to the Tyrod Taylor portion of the show. Uh, love this guy. Ty God, as I, as I like to call him. Uh, this is a two QB league again, Nick, but Tyrod Taylor for Jordan Howard.
1: Well, like you said, two QB leagues, so that's the only format where this trade makes sense. Uh, I think I still need to lean towards the Jordan Howard side. I I just feel like he's a a lot safer play. I think he's going to be the lead running back in Chicago moving forward, whereas Tyrod Taylor uh, likely not going to stay in Buffalo under his current contract. It's just such a fluid situation there. Uh, I got to go with the known commodity here and stick with Jordan Howard.
0: (sighs) Yeah. No, even though it is a two quarterback league, I'm not sure the team size. But uh, so there is a little bit of a risk of giving up a quarterback. But with with that little bit of unknown, I I, I under, certainly understand this move, and I think you're going to see a, a whole lot of carries out of Jordan Howard next year. Or so, um, moving forward, there Nick, another tie rod. Uh, Tyrod Taylor Demonte Moncrief for Ben Roethlisberger Tyreek Hill, Marquise Lee 2018 second and the 2018 third doesn't that seem like a lot Yeah, a lot and way too much, yeah. Uh, I admit
1: Moncrief's probably the best player in this, but still, uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor, we already talked about him. Roethlisberger's obviously going to be the starter in Pittsburgh for as long as he wants to play. It's probably, you know, another two to three years, I would guess. Uh, Tyreek Hill, up-and-coming, very exciting player there in Kansas City. Marquise Lee had a sneaky, solid uh, fantasy productive season this year, plus getting a second- and a third-round pick. I know it's not until 2018, but still, that's – yeah, yeah, that's way, way too much I think, to give up for Moncrease and Taylor.
0: Yeah. Yes, people like Tyrod. I it may I think I feel like it makes a little bit more sense with the picks and uh maybe the are late it is a second round there, though, so I don't know. Maybe take away maybe take away Hill and keep the picks in or take away the picks. I don't know. Uh Mike Evans, a couple, couple of Mike Evans trades here. Uh, only one Tyrell Williams trade this week, sorry. Uh, Mike Evans for pick 1.02 and 1.04. So like we talked about, you know, Cole, Cook or Fournette, Williams or Davis, basically with those picks. What do you think? Well, I know
1: the old saying is a uh, bird in the hand is better than two in the bush, but I think 1.02 and 1.04, that, that's enough to get me to part with Mike Evans. You're looking at getting either Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette and then Mike Williams or Corey Davis, or, you know, depending on how your league's draft goes, maybe two running backs or two wide receivers, who knows. But anyway, those top four guys, they're they are solid enough that I think I would I would give up Mike Evans to get a chance to get two of those four guys.
0: Yeah, you're getting two of those four guys regardless. So even if for some crazy reason Mike Williams and Corey Davis go one-two, you're getting two running backs with 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 a pretty darn good future. Um, so yeah, I I you know I'm sure there's enough, enough Mike Evans people out there that would uh, dispute that because he he is he is a known commodity, and I think they will get wide receiver help this year. At least I hope they will to uh, to make him. Uh, an even more solid player uh, and uh, I don't think it's going to take targets away from him. It's certainly going to keep him keep him uh, towards the top of targets in throughout, the, throughout the year. So uh, what do you think about Michael Thomas and pick 1.03 for Mike Evans? Now uh, the email you, you sent said Mike Thomas. Is this
1: the LA Rams Mike Thomas or is it the New Orleans no. Saints <laughs> it's,
0: Thomas? It's, it's the New Orleans Saints. Oh, nobody cares about the Rams, Mike. Yeah, my <laughs> bad. I wrote that down wrong. I think I took it off of Twitter, and I think whoever posted it probably shortened it because of the whole 140-character 140, 140 thing. So it is New Orleans Saints, Mike Thomas
1: nobody cares okay, about long, Mike Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's the New Orleans Saints, Michael Thomas, I will go with that side. Uh, I was prepared to go for the other side, obviously. Uh, when I thought it was the Rams, Mike Thomas, and 1.03, I, that left me scratching my head. But yeah, Michael Thomas, it, it's a pretty even trade, but I'll just go with the side that got uh, quantity over the quality right now. Because I, I do think Mike, Michael Thomas and Mike Evans might end up having pretty similar careers, so and getting a 1.03 on top of that, I can't to help but go with Michael Thomas side.
0: What do you think about my? I think both these guys are obviously still growing, but you look at it. Just, I mean, obviously the pick does tip the scales towards Michael Thomas, but who's the next quarterback in San Francisco? In New Orleans, I mean that's that's my worry with Michael Thomas, and I think his owners should be worried about that. Uh, me and Brian Hawks were talking about that extensively, just just back and forth this weekend. That, that's certainly a worry, and Michael Thomas's value might not be any higher than it is right now. And if you can if you can turn that around into an, an elite player like Mike Evans, who is growing, with a player like a uh, uh, J- James Winston, I, I think I would prefer that side. I don't I don't see giving up that high a pick to get this in – uh maybe you can maybe you can do a little bit better i think i think you could probably get you know like just a high a high pick for mike evans or excuse me just a high pick for michael thomas too many mics but uh i yeah i don't i don't know i feel like that's I don't feel like you're getting enough in this deal if you're trading Michael Thomas and that pick with just getting Mike Evans back. So as much as I respect him, I do worry about him moving forward. I don't know if I'm making any sense at all, but uh, I think, uh, I think, I think you're giving up too much in in this deal. If you're giving up Michael Thomas and that high pick, I I think you could get, if you want to give up Michael Thomas, just trade him for a, a high, a high rookie pick. I think that's pretty safe. Um, and I plan on doing that. But anyway, 14-team PPR, start 12, four to six wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton for Malcolm Mitchell, Rashard, Matthews, and ding, 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 another Tyrell Williams landing. Uh, what do you think? T.Y. for Malcolm Mitchell, Rashard, Matthews, and Tyrell Williams.
1: Well, this is definitely one where uh, the league uh, format comes into play. You mentioned you start four to six wide receivers in this league. So uh, with that in mind, I think I will go with the side that picked up Mitchell, uh, Rashard Matthews, and Tyrell Williams. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, great receiver, but he is kind of a more robust week-to-week guy. He's the type of guy who will catch six passes for 140 yards and two touchdowns one week and then the next week have two catches for 30 yards. Um, you know, Andrew Luck likes to spread that ball around. So, with that in mind, I think Richard Matthews, uh, you know, really uh, surprised me anyway uh, with his first season in Tennessee uh, with the numbers that he put up. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell seems to be an up-and-coming receiver there in New England. And then, uh, of course, Tyrell Williams again. So, yeah, you know, being as this is a league where you need a lot of depth at wide receiver, I think this is a good trade for the, uh, the team that picked up the depth there.
0: Okay. Makes a lot of sense there. Um, I don't know though. I just I don't. I mean, we saw a lot out of Rashard Matthews. I just don't. Know. And like you said, the league format certainly does come into play. But I mean, all of these guys are at best wide receiver fours, right? And and maybe not in this league because you have to start to, so many of them. But uh, I just I can't you know put any confidence in Malcolm Mitchell and Rashard. Matthews, Tyrell Williams being a wide receiver, too, every week. I just feel like I hope, you know, I hope that guy's given up TY because he has one other stud and, and no depth behind that. But uh, I just, I think I would still lean the, the TY side. Um, you know, Matthews and, and Tyrell Williams aren't aren't spring chickens. They're probably pretty close to Ty tie, to tie, uh, T.Y. Hilton's age. And, and Malcolm Mitchell, where he's good, we've seen good things out of him. He's still a New England wide receiver. That comes with a lot of inconsistency. Um, that's the cost for being successful is inconsistency fantasy players. But, uh, yeah. That is all we had for that portion. Uh, On to best number 51. I'm staring into the eyes of a picture of the beautiful Dick Butkus. What do you got for us, Nick? Well,
1: uh, a lot of names with number 51. Uh, You know, if guys like uh, linebackers James Ferrier, Takedo Spikes, or Jonathan Vilma had worn 49 or 50, we'd have had more time to spend on them. But uh, 51 is a lot stronger number than the last couple numbers we covered. Uh, So we'll start out with Brian Cox. Uh, fifth-round pick in 1991, who started... 13 games as a rookie for uh, Miami was an All-Pro in year two while going to the first of his three Pro Bowls with the Dolphins. He also played with Chicago the New York Jets, uh, New England and New Orleans and won a Super Bowl with New England. Uh, now I know it's cliche whenever a player is undersized to talk about his heart and his passion for the game but that was absolutely the case in uh, with the late middle linebacker Sam Mills who recorded over 1,100 tackles in his 12 seasons with New Orleans and Carolina going to five Pro Bowls and at age 30 37 was named an all-pro. Uh, San Francisco's starting center from 1976 through 1988 was Randy Cross, a name that gets lost in the shuffle with all his great teammates, but Cross went to three Pro Bowls while winning three Super Bowls with the 49ers. Uh, next up, another three-time Pro Bowler and three-time Super Bowl champ linebacker Ken Norton Jr. Uh, six foot two, 254 pounds, a very intimidating linebacker for Dallas from 1988 through 1993. Then with San Francisco uh, in '94 through 2000, uh, he also had uh, over 1100 tackles in his career and started every single game over his last ten seasons in the in the NFL, very reliable. Now down to the final two, and when I began researching this number, I thought, of course, the best would be a no-brainer, but that actually was not the case. Uh, Based on the awards uh, on paper alone, Jim Ringo, a 6'1", 232-pound center with Green Bay from 1953 through 1963, and with the Eagles for four seasons after that. He went to 10 Pro Bowls, nine Pro Bowls in a row from 1957 through 65, and was a six-time All-Pro, also a two-time NFL champion. Uh, he was uh, he inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1981, and I was very, very tempted to give it to him, but name recognition did play a factor in my decision to declare Dick Butkus the best number 51 of all time. Uh, Dick Butkus went to the Pro Bowl in uh each of his eight of his first and nine NFL seasons from 1965 through 1973, Sweet. all with Chicago, of course, uh, one of the most feared hitters of all time, six foot three, two 245 pounds. Uh, so, of course, that makes him bigger than the center, the offensive lineman we just talked about, Jim Ringo, uh, <laughs> who only retired two years before Butkus' rookie year. So, you know, they didn't play at the same time, but close to the same era anyway. Uh, this was a very, very close call. I, I love being surprised when I go to do the research for these best numbers of all time, and that was definitely the case here. But still, Dick Buckus wins best number 51 of all time.
0: Yeah, and I you know the uh, pro football ra- rating system for number has Dick Buck is actually at number 6 behind Sam Mills, Randy Cross, James Ferrier, Takio Spikes and Ken Norton. But uh I felt like Randy, Randy Cross were 54. But anyway, there I mean, when you talk about NFL lore and, and and you know the history of just the defensive game. I mean, same thing we talked about last week. Singletary is Butkus is just the guy. I mean, he just he just stands for for everything that was gritty and good about the game back then. Uh, 22 career interceptions for a middle linebacker. too. I think that's a pretty underrated stat. I don't know what the uh, all-time record for linebacker interceptions is, but that that's a pretty good stat. He had at least one every single season. Had five as a rookie. Uh, four four as a 29 year old in 1971, uh, that's a that's a pretty good stat. I mean, he just he had it, a good nose for the ball, and he's another guy that tackle numbers weren't as prevalent as they were nowadays. But uh, he also had 27 fumble recoveries. Uh, so he's he's a guy that knew what knew what he needed to do and be be around the ball. And he's a guy you could like like we said with Singletary last week, conservatively pencil in for. Uh, you know, probably 120 sacks every single year. And I think it's important to note that, like Singletary, I don't mean to keep comparing the two, but I didn't really get this point out last week that I wanted to. I think, you know, before before Kiss, there really wasn't that true middle linebacker that teams could say, this is this is – this is a guy that I want I want the next dick Buckus. You know, and same thing happened I think beyond Singletary, because I think Singletary was maybe a little bit better of a of an X's and O's and just a, maybe a bit of a smarter defensive player. Buckus just played with sheer will and grit, knew knew what to do, but I think there was just a little bit more more cerebralness with uh I don't know if that's a word, with uh Mike Singletary. So when when you have a guy that comes along like both of these uh, you know Bears legends, where you can say where you're going to compare every single middle linebacker prospect to them moving forward. I think that's what makes you great. And you know it's when when you have I'm sure there's other guys there's there's scouts and coaches in the in a draft group. You know in the in the middle mid 80s early 80s like, we want the Knicks, Dick Buckus We need this guy type of player on our defense. We need our defense to be feared. And respected, and that's why that's why that's why I got like this will forever live in the in the lore of the NFL. So I, when you when you have a player that people are always going to compare top prospects to, that, that's that's really the uh, the ultimate uh, praise that somebody like that could get. So you think? Yeah, I agree,
1: and that's why I named him uh, top number fifty one. Even though uh, there is more more Pro Bowls for Jim Ringo, more championships, et cetera. But yeah, when you when you got a a name that that hold, like you said, in the NFL lore, holds as much respect as Dick Buck has. You, you, can't, you can't not
0: give him the award. Yeah. Otherwise, he might come find us. <laughs> uh. And at 74 years old, I think he could still take us out. But anyway, I want to do give props to the least never important number 51 of all time, Mark Terrell Washington II, uh, 6'3", 250-pound linebacker out of Texas State. Uh, in 2007, appeared in three games for the Miami Dolphins and recorded one NFL tackle. So how about that? Mark Terrell, Washington II, you made the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Congratulations, buddy. Um, and that is all we have for you today. Um, when you look at the podcast right up later, folks, just really really look at that picture of Buckus. Just really enjoy those eyes. It's not quite the Singletary eyes, but just – Try not to be scared. Uh, <laughs> um, like I said, next week we're going to go forward and start doing our division by division previews, breaking down the uh, the assets, the fantasy dynasty assets of each each of, each team in the league before we get to uh, and talk about draft deeds as well. So uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff planned here for you as we move closer to the NFL draft. So uh, any any closing thoughts there, Nick?
1: Well, I believe he said uh, Buckus is seventy-four now. I don't care if he's seventy-four, eighty-four, ninety-four. Buckus at any age could take me out at any age, every
0: single time. I guarantee that. Yeah, yeah. I, he he might even be a little lighter nowadays, but I. Yeah, I'm not tangling with that guy. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> ultimate ultimate respect. But anyway, uh, it's fun to talk about old NFL players such a part of my childhood i absolutely love that i don't know if you do and that's kind of why we have it towards the end of the show uh but uh make sure you if if you've made it this far i hope you listened intently to that free agency draft because that was a, always a lot of fun there so uh afc east next week we will talk to you then nick oh so good Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Fold Podcast with Dinky, Gil Gillis, Gil and Johnson Johnson. Bye, and people.